the strangers that were conversant among them. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the time that we get to spend in it. I just pray that you would um, just speak tonight, Lord, that we would learn your truth, Lord, your words, and that we could leave knowing you a little bit better. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Is that really important right now? How many times um, working on a project, and I'm doing something, and I'm concentrating all my efforts on whatever it happens to be doing, and one of my little siblings come up and begin to ask me a question, and what I want to say to them is turn around and say, is that really important right now? You're bothering me. Why do I need to stop what I'm doing and turn and help you? In my mind, it is completely, you know, I need to learn patience is what really needs to happen. But I've turned like, why is that really important right now? Why can't that wait to a little bit later time? Or when I've been guilty of this, I was first learning when I um, graduated college, came back and started helping at the church. I was starting to work on some of the um, graphics like the banners or the outside signs. And I was learning how to use the programs a little bit. And here I was in the office and I'm just pouring sweat looking at this thing and trying to figure out how to do this. And my dad is working on something else, something much bigger. And I come and like, I just can't figure this out. And he's like, is that really important right now? Like here. And he'd have it done in five minutes. And I was interrupting what he was trying to do because I had this very important thing right now. Or, on the men's trip, going up to Montreal, we make a, a tradition of stopping at the Golden Corral. And the men enjoy themselves at the all-you-can-eat buffet. And without fail, somebody, as we're leaving the restaurant, having probably sinned a little bit of gluttony, someone has to say, so what are we eating for dinner? And you go, is that really important right now? I'm going to be in pain for the next two hours until my body digests what I have just stuffed in it. Is it really important what we're eating for dinner right now? Sometimes spiritually in our efforts to serve God, we're doing this and we're working on this, and someone comes up and says, have you considered this? And you go, is that really important right now? I'm trying to do all this for God. I've got all these um, projects. I have all these agendas I'm trying to do. Is that really important right now? Why is, or maybe sometimes God puts the pause button on and say, God, why are you making me stop what I'm doing for you so I can focus on this? I believe that is a little bit where the children of Israel were. They're like, is this really important right now? Because the background, if you've been with us, has been they just finished conquering Ai. They had experienced with the sin of Achan. They had experienced defeat. They had gotten that right with God. They went back. They conquered the city of Ai. The verse prior is they had put a heap of stones, they burned the city, they had taken over the city, everything was great. They put the heap of stones, it's there to this day. And the next verse is, in verse number 30, Then Joshua built an altar unto the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal. Israel and Joshua were doing the work of God that God had commanded them. They were conquering the land. God had ordered them to go in and do and to conquer the land. They were doing God's work. But God says, wait a second. It's time to go to Mount Ebal. So all Joshua and all Israel stop. And they take a 30 mile journey 
to build an altar on Mount Ebal in the heart of the Promised Land. They are down here at Gilgal, and they're going to travel 30 miles to the north to Mount Ebal, there was, and then there was Mount Gerizim right beside it, and there was the town of Shechem right there, and the town of Shechem, just a little bit of history, that's where Jacob had pitched his tent before, Jacob's well with Jesus and the um, Samaritan woman, that was at this point, that was at this place in Israel. And, do, and sorry, it was at that place in Israel. Joshua and Israel had gone forward and had been conquering only two cities so far. And God tells him, stop, you're taking a 30-mile journey through hostile land. That land hadn't been conquered yet. And not only were they going through land that hadn't been conquered yet, this was a journey that included the women and the children. In the verses we just read, all Israel was present. This was a big deal. They stopped and they took a journey that would have taken them at least two days each way. If they were making good time, it would have taken them 30 miles with children. With um, They had to take the animals for sacrifice that they were going to do. With the um, their whole people moving over 2 million people, 30 miles through hostile land, land they hadn't conquered yet, to go up and do this. See, these, all, all these reasons I just gave, all the background of what was actually going when the Bible just says, Then Joshua built an altar unto the Lord God of Israel, Mount Ebal. All of that is included in that. That they had to travel. The land hadn't been conquered yet up there. All these reasons seem like very good excuses to postpone the sacrifice there at Mount Ebal. It was not... A convenient time, you would say. It, you, they might even say, is that really important right now? We have the rest of the land to conquer. We have the rest of the work that God has for us to do. And God wanted them to take a 30-mile journey and go, why was this trip so necessary at this time? Okay? Joshua and Israel, as we read, it says... In verse number 31, as the servant of the Lord, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses. Joshua and Israel made this journey and built the altar in obedience to Moses and God. Moses, as the man of God, back in Deuteronomy chapter 27, and also had mentioned in Deuteronomy chapter 11, before Israel had crossed the Jordan, before Moses had died, He had given the commandment, when you cross Jordan, when you go into the land, you're to do two things. You're to go to Mount Ebal, you're to build an um, altar there of uncut stones. Okay? What's that? An altar of uncut stones was mean they weren't to put any tool of iron, they weren't to fashion it, they weren't to... um, Make it beautify it in any way. It was to be in sharp contrast with the altars, the idolatrous altars that were all throughout the land of Israel by the pagan people that had yet to be rid out of the land. It was in stark contrast. They weren't to, they were just to take stones from the field and pile them together for the altar. They were to offer sacrifices and worship to God. 
They were to offer burnt offerings, which were the idea, a sweet savor to God. And then they were offer peace offerings, which a peace offering has had this connotation. Everything is right between God and us. The peace offerings had this element with it. They would offer only part of the animal on the, on the, on the actual altar. The rest of the animal they would use as a feast. They would sit down and they would eat in the presence of the Lord saying, everything is right between God and us. There is peace between us and God. And so they were to offer burnt offerings and they were to offer peace offerings. And then there was to be stones. That if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 7 and we could go there and we could read that, how Moses commanded Joshua, he was to take, not only build the altar, he was to take stones And he was to plaster them with plaster. And in the plaster, he was to write the words, all the words of the law, very plainly, is what the Bible says. So Joshua made this journey and built an altar in obedience to God. It's once they crossed the Jordan, they were to make the journey. And as I was thinking about reading, doing some study on it, a lot of people said, you know, they were to renew the covenant. Well... The covenant hadn't been broken. It, hadn't, it was more, now, God's promises had come true. Up to that time in Deuteronomy, when Moses originally gave the commands to Israel, it was, God is going to give you this land. You're going to go into the land, and you're going to build an altar, symbolizing God has given you this land. And maybe it's my weird mind or whatever, but in my mind it came more to, not renewing, but almost an activation you have a cell phone plan. And it, your cell phone doesn't work until you activate it. There's then the um, contract that you have with the cell phone company. Once you activate that cell phone, you are legally bound by that contract. Right? Everybody in New York City has cell phones. And you have to make the payments on the cell phone. You have to do certain things. The contract is activated as soon as you start using that phone. Well, once Israel crossed into Jordan... They were in the land that God had promised them. And the covenant, the words of the law that they were to write, and we're going to get into that in a little bit later, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But it was the covenant of God between Israel and God about the use of the land. How Israel was to use the land that God had given them. God had told them over and over and over again, I have given you the promised land. This land isn't won by your own might. This, the battles you will win in Deuteronomy is spoken in future. Won't be won because if you're great. I'm going to give you the victory. And these are the conditions that you're going to use my blessings. If you want to be able to enjoy the blessings that I am giving you, these are the rules. And Jesus gave, and God gave them on Mount Sinai the laws of the covenant. He gave them the Old Testament, the um, first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the Ten Commandments, the remainder of the com- commandments. And we could go, and, it would, and what they were to do was on one mountain, a Mount Gerizim was to be the Mount of Blessing. And six of the tribes of Israel were to be on that. Then on Mount Ebal was to be the other six tribes. It was the Mount of Cursing. And what would happen was the Levites would read the law of God, read the law of Moses aloud in such a way, because the mountains, there was a mountain on this side and there was a mountain on this side. And the town of Shechem was right there in the, in the valley. 
At the bottom, the valley was only about 500 yards apart. At the top, it was about a mile and a half apart. But at the bottom there on the face of the mountain, it formed a natural amphitheater where the priest could speak the law and it would echo off the sides and everyone could hear the word plainly. Everyone could hear everything that the priests were saying. And so the Levites would stand there and they would recite, read the law of God to all the people of Israel. And they would read curses. And everyone, when they would read it, cursed be those who disobey the law of God, who did not do what God had told them to do. And all the people would answer, Amen. And then they would read the blessings. That if you obeyed the law of God, God would give them great blessings. And the people would answer, Amen. And it was to be a um, working back and forth. They were to work together and know the law of God. Joshua, in obedience to the commands of God, brings Israel, builds the altar. Altar. The entire Joshua wrote, they build the altar, we went over, and they offered the sacrifices to God. They offered the burnt offerings as a sweet savor. They offered, then offered the peace offerings and sat down saying, our relationship with God is right. And then the Bible says in verse number 32, and he wrote thereupon, wrote thereupon the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he wrote in the presence of the children of Israel. Once again, Joshua, in obedience to Moses, would have put up the stones, plastered them, and written plainly in the plaster all the words of the law of Moses. This took some time. They were taking time away from the battles. We're going to find out at, in, as we start Joshua chapter 9, that as soon as all the nations heard about this, they gathered together to fight Joshua. So this is taking some serious time away from. They're not pressing their strategic advantage. But God is saying, you need to stop and you need to take care of this. You need to remember the covenant between you and me about this land. Something I found interesting was, you know what? In that day, written scrolls were very hard to come by. People wouldn't have a copy of the law of God like we have today. Number two, they wouldn't, they, at that time, they didn't have the synagogues that they had in Jewish days scattered throughout all the land. But here is all of Israel gathered together watching Joshua put a permanent public copy of the word of God where any one of them could come and read it for themselves, where they all knew where it was. It was public it was in plaster, so it was semi-permanent, and they could all come back at any time and read the words of God for themselves. Not only did they have a permanent written copy of the Word of God there, Joshua took the time to read all the words of the law of Moses. They built an altar to the Lord God of Israel. The first time that phrase, the Lord God of Israel, is used, is when Moses stood before Pharaoh and said, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go. When they built that altar to the Lord God of Israel, and they put up the word of the lot, put up the word of God in the stones. It was a symbol of everything God has promised has come to pass. 
God has delivered His people from the slavery of Egypt. And now we are not only out of Egypt, we are through the wilderness and we are in the promised land. And these are the words of the covenant between God and us. We are activating those promises that we have this we need to do and God will do this. If we do not fulfill our end of the bargain, if we do not obey God's law, there will be the curses upon us. All the men heard the law. At the end of, read verse number 35 with me. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua read not before all the congregation of Israel. With the women and the little ones and the strangers that were conversant among them. All the men heard the law. The women and children heard the law of God and the strangers. Those were the non-Jewish people. People like Rahab. This no doubt would have been Rahab's, one of Rahab's first times to hear all of the law of Moses. And she is there, and her family is there, as having just joined Israel and in getting to a privilege of enjoying the promises that God had on Israel. And they are hearing this for the first time. Hearing the, the wonderful promises of God and the curses that would come upon them. You see, but why did this need to happen right now? They were moving forward. They had conquered Ai. Victory was again on their side. Couldn't they have waited until the land was secure? Wouldn't it have made sense? They said, is it really that important right now? We can wait. We're doing the work of God. We're conquering the land. This is what God has commanded us. Wouldn't it make sense to wait? But see, Israel needed to pause the conquest of the land and pursue this journey. Why? Because they needed to put their relationship with God ahead of their work for God. Their relationship with God, their relationship with God and His Word had to be right or their work for God would never happen. You see, Israel's ability to enjoy what God had for them and to enjoy the promised land was directly tied to their response to God's Word. Diligently hearkening to the Word of God and in um, Deuteronomy chapter 27, Moses told the children of Israel, commanded them, diligently hearken to the word of God. Once again, it's that, um, now the word's not coming to me, but it's, it's that Hebrew word where they repeat the word twice. It's for emphasis. It says, you need to hear, hear the word of God. You need to diligently Hearken. You need to bend your ear. You need to focus all your effort on hearing and doing the Word of God. And when they did that, this is what God promised them. This was the blessings that God would promise them. If they did this, blessed would they be in their military endeavors. They would have military victory. They would have economic prosperity. Their crops would come in. They would have great economics. Their Every endeavor they did would be great. They would have children. They would have health. They would have God's protection. When they were obedient to the covenant of God, they would have the blessings of God on their life. A failure says, if thou will not hearken unto all the words of this law, God would bring curses on them. It said, would curse they would be in the field. Curse they would be in whatever they would do 
they would find God's hand against them. If they didn't, if they weren't in obedience to God's word, they would find God's hands against them. There would be disease. There would be famine. There would be foreign domination where they would have been able. God had promised them, two of you shall chase 10,000. Now, God said, if you are not in obedience to my word, if you are not following, 10,000 is going to be put to flight by two. You're not going to be able to enjoy the blessings. Their work for, uh, for God in conquering the land could only be accomplished through God's power. We've been over that again and again and again. The walls of Jericho would not fall down without the power of God. They would not, they tried to fight AI without God's power. And they met defeat. They went in God's power and they met victory. It was that simple. But they could only experience God's power through obedience to God's word. And so what needed to happen was, the reason why they needed to stop is they needed to make sure, number one, their first priority was that their relationship with God was right before they begin to continue to do the work of God. They needed to have that emphasis on God and His Word. It wasn't that they weren't obeying God. It was that they needed to take the time and spend time with God. Spend time with the sacrifice and all that. What was involved was worship of God for who God was. Put an altar to the Lord God of Israel, the God who had delivered them from slavery, who had seen them through the wilderness. They were worshiping Him. And they needed to be reminded of the Word of God. When they put their relationship with God first, everything else would fall into place. It is very exciting to talk about the walls of Jericho falling down. We we just went through that in Sunday school this morning. About how God... Gave them a weird battle plan. They were to march around the city and the walls would fall down. What's with that? But it happened because they obeyed God. They obeyed the revealed word of God in front of them. We would like to see great victories that would give glory to God. I was listening to a, um, a podcast by some friends of mine who graduated a couple of years ahead of me from um, Heartland Baptist Bible College, and they put a podcast together for youth workers, and there's some good stuff, and I was listening to it, and there was one um, associate pastor in Kansas who they had on as a guest, and he was talking about how they had a ministry to the public school. Well, they're in a small town in Kansas. There's only one high school, a little bit different than um, New York City, but they were... T- but. Um, this associate pastor, he's working for his dad. And his dad told him, I want you to look into doing a ministry to the public schools. I want you to look into see how we can do that. He said, I always went to Christian school. I'd never been in a public school. It scared me to death. How am I going to have a ministry to these kids? I can't relate to them. I can't do anything. And so for the first year... He, he um, repped junior high basketball. Nothing happened. He met people. He talked to people. He repped junior high basketball. He became known on campus. That was about it. They began to do different activities. Eventually, he became a bus driver so he could drive 
for the different sports teams or whatever, just trying to be there at the school. All this time, he was saying, we need to have a ministry to the public school. Not one kid had gotten saved. No one was, nothing was happening. And he was at this for three or four years. Suddenly, well, in God's timing, just as he became a driver for the school, the school's soccer coach got saved. Came to church, got saved. He didn't lead her to the Lord, anything. But she found out that he was a bus, cap, bus driver and said, I want you to drive bus for my soccer team. Okay, so he's driving bus for the soccer team. They go out, they win a game, and on the way back, the soccer coach stands up and says, By the way, our bus driver today is the associate pastor. He's going to give a devotion. He didn't know anything about it. Just completely floored him. So there he is on a public school bus giving a devotion to a bunch of teenagers. Long story short, by the time the year had ended, 17 of those soccer players had gotten saved. And the school was at, went to state in one state. Now the theme of the church was by his grace for his glory. And the soccer team adopted that for their motto. And the public school students who were there to cheer on their team, not even knowing what the church theme, what that had any connection with the church, the whole game, one side was saying, by his grace. The other side was shouting for his glory, back and forth. And now they have over 70 kids every Wednesday night attending their youth ministry there. And we look at that and say, man, that's great, that's amazing, that's wonderful. God is great. God, that's almost like the walls of Jericho falling down, really. But here's what the, what that associate pastor said. He said, too many people try to do something big. They go in there saying, this is what we want to see happen. But it was as I just did what was right in front of me. As I obeyed God, the opportunities that God put in front of me today, even though it was Refing junior high basketball for a year with no results and helping serve in the cafeteria and doing other seemingly insignificant things and having nothing happen. It was those faithful duties that eventually saw God bring the great results later in the future. You see, we way too often attempt great things for God without first having spent great time with God without first having spent the time to making sure our relationship with God is right, that we are in a right relationship with God's Word, that we are doing faithfully everything God has done, God has commanded us to do. God is gracious to remind us that only through our obedience to His Word can anything good truly be accomplished. Let me put it simply for you. Put God and His Word first. That's what God was trying to teach Israel here. He's saying, you have some great battles to fight, but you need to put God in His Word first. There's some things, there's some trials that are going to be ahead of you that you have no clue how to fight. But if you put God, you put me, God is telling them, you put me and you obey my Word, everything else will fall into place. Because I'm able to give you the blessings that you're unable to give. But if you decide you want to do this on your own, There's the curses. 
You will not be able to succeed in anything. Those things that you think you're good at, you will find my hand against you. Put God in His Word first. Being right with God is the most important duty of our life. Being right with God is the most important duty of our life. Salvation is the first step. There's no point in trying to live the Christian life if you are not God's child. There's no point in trying to do the things of God if you do not have God living inside of you. The next step after salvation is baptism. Then membership and daily obedience to His Word. Doing the work of God is important and commanded. Israel was commanded to take the land. Preaching the Word of God is the God-ordained method for reaching the world. But too often we attempt to do great things for God when we have not spent great time with God. When our relationship with God is not the way it should be. To experience the blessings of God, you must have a right relationship with God daily in obedience to His Word. So how can you and I know we have a right relationship with God? How can Israel know when they left Mount Ebal and went to continue the rest of the land, how could they know their relationship with God was right? Was it because they just felt great? They had that spiritual moment where everything was just perfect and they know God had spoken to them. The work of God is being accomplished. We're seeing the walls of Jericho fall down. God must be with us. Or, I'm being used of God in so many ways. Joshua could say, look, I'm leading the children of Israel. Look what... No. How they could know they were in a right relationship with God. This is very important. You and I can have a right relationship with God when our lives match up with the Word of God. When our lives match up with the Word of God. It wasn't because every, the walls of Jericho were falling down that their relationship with God was right. When they went to Mount Ebal and left, how they could know that they were doing what God wanted them to do was their lives lined up with the Word of God. That's why Joshua wrote it in a, in a permanent place where everyone could see it. That's why Joshua wrote, read it to everyone in such a way they could all hear every word of the law. I love when we can see the work of God going forward. I loved getting to lead the singing this morning. It was a blessing hearing people sing and seeing the excitement in people's faces. I love when the Spirit of God is at work in our midst. But if you want that, it isn't showing up and singing your guts out. Though that helps. It isn't showing up, if you want God to speak to you in the preaching, it isn't showing up making sure you've had your cup of coffee. Though for some of us that helps a lot. The best way you can be ready to sing every service is by spending time with God in His Word. The best way you can be ready to hear the preaching of God's Word is to make sure your heart is already right with God before you ever come. If you want to see the work of God move forward, You need to put God first and His Word first. 
If you truly desire to see people around you saved, to see your life be a witness and be able to talk to people about the things of God, you need to put God in His Word first. You need to make sure that you are daily spending time with God, making sure that you're in a place where you are at peace with God and His, your life matches up with His Word and you're in obedience to His Word. Not what someone says, not what some book says, but to God's Word. This means spending time daily in the Word. Being educated about the Word was not the goal Joshua had. He wanted the people to know the law of God, yes, but that's not the end goal. Too often, we end up with an intellectual faith where we know so much about the Bible. We know so much. You can quote verses. But it hasn't touched the heart. It isn't what we do. The goal wasn't just to educate them, but to have the children of Israel obedient was the goal God and Joshua had for making, saying, is this really important right now? Do we really need to take this detour and go and do this when we've got all this work that God has for us to do? Let me tell you, they never would have accomplished all the work that God had for them to do unless they'd made sure that they were right with God and spent time studying His Word. A biblical illustration, we can go to the New Testament. And Martha was serving. She needed to. It was important to serve, to take care of the guests. But Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, the one thing that was needful. Jesus said, she hath chosen that good part, and it shall not be taken away from her. We can focus on trying to do great things for God. Or we can focus on making sure our relationship with God is right. And simply staying obedient to His Word. And who knows when a soccer coach might get saved. Let me tell you, if that associate pastor hadn't been faithful in saying, Okay, Dad, I don't have a clue about how to reach public schools, but I'll, I'll start something. I'll do what the next step is. I'll be obedient. I'll follow God's Word day in and day out. There couldn't have been the results down the road. Well, how do I know that I'm in a right relationship with God? How do I know that I'm where I need to be? Well, your life's going to match up with this, with the Word of God. That's why it's so important that we put God first, that we put His Word first. It's easy to talk about Saying, well, I know I'm right with God, everything. I just, I just have this presence of God in my life and I feel it. No. So it, the Christian life isn't that mystical experience. Sometimes we say we wish God would just write it in the sky and say, this is what I want you to do. At the men's meeting, Brother Gaddis said, he says this quite often, that the problem with living life is it's just so daily. It is. Every day, we must put God in His Word first. Then everything else will fall into place. The victories that we need to see in our life, when we're right with God, we can see the blessings of God. But when there is something that God is speaking to our hearts about, and we say, you know what? 
I, I, I just don't want to do that right now. I don't think that's really important right now. There's too much other work to do. We're going to find God's hand against us at every turn. We cannot experience the blessings of God without having the right relationship with God. One thing is needful. Put God in His Word first. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the, that You challenge us and that You want us and give us Your Word so we can know what You want us to do and that we would live in a right relationship with You. I just pray that You would work in our hearts and that we would seek to go forth and truly serve You in the way You would have us, faithfully, simply obedient, allowing You to do the work. In Jesus' name I pray. If you need to take a moment and pray there in your seat or come forward, just take a moment. And all God's people said, we'll go ahead and split up. And when you pray, and when you hear the piano, we'll end our public time of prayer.